This is a crowd podcast. You're listening to Fox Given, the one with Brian LaBelle. I keep wanting to say Lobel. Lobel. What a sexy name, Brian. Yes, Brian Lobel. <laughs> <laughs> we are for a so, treat. Yeah, we're so excited to get Brian on today. Um, he has this amazing platform called Sex with Cancer. So we're going to be talking about all the things to do with sex and cancer, which is like a topic that no one ever talks about when it comes to cancer. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like we should put a trigger warning on it, but then like actually just remove the trigger warning because everyone needs to listen to this. Even if cancer is quite triggering for you, it's so important to hear because the way he talks about it is, it's like mesmerizing. Yeah. It's got to be done. So excited to talk to him. But first, let's have a little catch up. Read what's been going on down in London town. Right, you ready for this? This is my big, exciting live update. Last night, I think I had the best sex I've ever had in my life. No way! Yeah, it was it was mad. Like I was, I was crying with how much I was coming. It was insane. It was insane. What? And what I was cannot I doing stop to thinking make about you cry it. With Cry with coming, cry with coming. Um, So like, I've noticed that when I'm hungover, my horn is through the roof. It's like, my body is just like, no, I don't want this. Like, please no. But my mind is like, yes, I'm so fucking horny. Yeah, hands up Um, if you can relate. Right? And I don't know what it is. There's got to be some fucking science there because every time I'm so hung over I'm so horny um, mm-hmm. and I'm so much more like sensitive and sexually charged and I'm so much more open to having orgasms which, interesting apart from clitoral clitoral I find quite hard but definitely g-spot orgasms I was finding was just so easy anyway so we were like I had we had like a proper nice bed day on Sunday and that was really great um and then I was working oh, I a bed day oh so good I was because again it's been Halloween so it went in hard, hard and fast. Um, mm-hmm. And then on Monday, I was working from Sam's bed while he was working. Kind of like messing around during the day anyway. Not anything to super distract him from work, but definitely like a lot of play fighting, a lot of like cuteness, um, a lot of tickling, mm. which I think was the main reason as to why. We had like a lot of tickle fights that evening. Oh. A little bit of switching as well, which was fun. Um, and ended up having sex later on in the evening. And I was on my period, so I wasn't, I was just a bit like, oh, I'm on my period anyway, I'm not too sure. And a bit worried about the bloodsmith. So I'm sleeping on a towel at his at the moment because like I didn't bring any period stuff oh, with me. Fuck. Um, and I'm not supposed to be on my period, but I'm just bleeding. Yeah. Anyway, standard. Anyway, so I hopped on top. I was on top, Florence, and I don't normally like it on top. Yeah. And I've been on top like Wait, a couple you were of on times. Top, and it was the best sex you ever had. Yeah. Yeah. What? I know. <laughs> I, I know. I. I have never, ever really, I maybe like once or twice in my life been able to like a G-sport orgasm on top. I don't like yeah. it on top because I find it really hard to like hold the wand or my clit on top. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It's also like, I don't have the energy. I just don't have the energy to move. Like I feel like yeah. when I've been fucked by a dude, they get that rhythm that I not, I like and that rubs against my G-sport. I cannot yes. do that. No, um, I but can't do something, it either. 
something was going on and I was just like it, I wasn't like pounding I was just like rocking back and forth this oh, sort of yeah. like really slow rhythmic feeling and I'm not joking it was like as soon as I put his cock in I, I, I had a g-spot orgasm it was so quick and I think wow. it was because the whole day of like the hangover from like the day before and like the tickling and the play fighting you and were just so like, turned on yeah really fucking turned on so everything inside my vagina was just like big and like I don't know like engulfed with blood and engorged and like open I don't know you know when you like really turn on and your pussy just like opens like a flower I feel like that was happening on the inside of my vagina and my g-spot was just like there just to be like rubbed against and it was just so easy to come um g-spot wise i really struggled with the with the clitoral orgasm even with the wand i struggled i was just i couldn't do it but g-spot wise and i was just like lying on him and he's just so fucking good at dirty talking oh my god it's turning me on so much thinking about it now he's just like (laughs) (laughs) he's just like that's it just keep going and i'm like i can't come anymore and he's like keep going that's it like he's just like so sexy he's just i'm gonna fuck you like this forever and he's just saying all this like fucking hot stuff that i'm just there like rocking back and forth like crying with pleasure just like and i'm just like so good i was just coming i I cannot i must have come like 10 times or something mad and like it was just insane it was just fucking insane I just like I was just like mind blown it was like I didn't it's like I I didn't have the energy to come anymore but like he was Mm. just like and every time I like stopped he would like grab me and like move me so I just kept coming and obviously it was like forced orgasms it was just like oh my god and he was like playing with my nipples at the same time and I was just like (laughs) I'm so jealous of that like partnered sex where you just know each other so well and it gets to that point where you can just do shit that like you it just it makes your brain explode it's like so good because you're just so connected and like so intertwined with each other and you just know what the other person likes so much that the sex is like crazy I miss that so much yeah I haven't had that in fucking years years and years and years it was just insane I was like I was my my mind was blown and just the dirty talk from him is insane in fucking sane and I'm fucking you Sam because dirty talk is is a quite hard thing to get into really fucking hard and I know he kind of kind of was into it anyway the first time we had sex because he was vocal when we were having sex and that's kind of like what you look out for and I love dirty talk anyway like I, I love doing it myself but I can't do it but I love listening to it um, especially if like you know when you're in pleasure mode and you're like I can't think of words all I can say is like I'm coming that's like all I say when I'm, <laughs> when I'm dirty talking um, and also we were watching fucking goop beforehand we watched like a couple of episodes beforehand oh that sex love goop thing yeah 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 we watched it a couple it's so fucking interesting I was getting so turned I was watching that before one of the fucks that I had and I was so turned on by it because I was like I just love the way that these couples are exploring together and it made me really excited for my future partner to like I would just want to have that with someone where you're like so open with each other and you can like just explore like the energy orgasm was fascinating and yeah I was watching it just being so turned on that like I don't know just like knowing how that was gonna feel and being in that situation like oh my god they're turning that person on so fucking much and it must feel so fucking good exactly um, and even Sam was like oh all we need to do is watch a couple of episodes of this and then fuck you and you you have a great time and I was like oh shit <laughs> turned on by Gwyneth Paltrow apparently you can buy a candle with of her vagina scent 
Stop it. That sounds yeah, amazing. on Goop. <laughs> it's mad, right? Kind of like really into that. That's kind of hot. Yeah, maybe we should make candles of our vagina scents. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> not on a bad BV day. That wouldn't yeah, be very nice. But, and I've, just, I've been dealing with a lot of thrush recently as well. I'm just like, fuck off. Or also, I'm just bleeding everywhere. Like, it's really nice. It's really oh. cool about it. But like, I got blood everywhere today. We had to change his bed sheets oh, twice fuck. in the past two days because of the blood situation. I was like, fuck. Yeah. Anyway, enough great. about enough about my fucking vagina. Um, Florence, what's been going on with your vagina over in LA? Please divulge. Oh, I've been such a hoe. Like, it's actually getting <laughs> a little bit too much. Like, I think I had a realisation after I went on a date yesterday that ended up, like, being so much better than I was expecting. And I, I kind of came to a realisation. I was just like, I think I've, I'm overdoing it slightly. Uh, what made you <laughs> think like, that, though? Well, because I had a really great time on this date last night. And then I was like, oh, so if I have a really great time with this guy, but what if I have a great time with the guy that I'm supposed to meet on Wednesday? And like, just all those thoughts. And I'm like, then what if I have like too many people that I really, really like and really want to fuck again? And then I'm just going to have too many people to fuck. And then... (laughs) I mean, that sounds like a problem that isn't a problem, Florence. (laughs) But, oh, I've got too many fun people to fuck. too many nice people to fuck. This is like... This is the epitome of enjoying single life, is actually enjoying sex and being excited for more sex with other people that aren't necessarily long-term partners. Yeah, it's actually... Yeah, it's actually fucking great. I had, like, a really amazing experience with this person that I met on field and it was kind of funny because I went to this gig which I got on the guest list for from another date that I went on um which I spoke about previously and I but I didn't end up seeing him at all so I went to this gig by myself and I found out that someone else I was talking to on field was going to be at that gig so I was just like, you know what, he's he's not around, so I'll just um, hang out with this other person from field. And so, oh my God, the gig was so good. Like I danced like all night, it was amazing. And then I ended up like hanging out with this person and their friend in their like hotel room near the venue until like 6 a.m. And they were a bit younger than me. So I was just like, I was like, wow, this is, you know, this is intense. Like 6 a.m. I've not done this in a while. Oh, bless you. You absolute um, cougar. You dirty stop out you. Yeah. But um, they went downstairs with their mate um, at a point to have like, to have a spliff. And then they came back up alone because their mate was just like, I'm going to give you some privacy. You know, I can imagine the little conversation. Like, yeah. do you want to just uh, wait down here while you go and fuck this yeah. bird upstairs? He just like, like chilled in his car for like an hour. <laughs> oh, bless him. That is fucking dedication that we wouldn't do at this age. When you're young, you're like, please, you're like, I some. have, yeah, I have like, I'm, I could potentially fuck, like, please. And you would literally go for like an hour long walk for your mates right? to get some. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had this really, really beautiful sexual experience with this person and they would it was just it was just really nice it was so like communicative like there was like so much consent there and like we would talk about like what we were into and then it would just be translated so like smoothly into like what we were doing and it was 
it was just so it was so beautiful like I, um, ne- neither of us came um there was no penetration i was on the like the end of my period and i just you know i didn't really feel like the penetration so i kind of set that as like a boundary but like we were ju- just so like hungry for each other in that mm. in that moment and like when we were making out it was just so like so like mm, yeah like let's like we are like it like intertwining in this like energy and i had this like chain around my neck and they were like pulling on it because i'd said that i like like that sort of thing and he, they were like they were like biting me places and it was just so like sensual and it also gave me like before any of the sex happened actually whilst their mate was still in the room they gave me like a leg and foot massage and I was like this is so so nice anyway it was just such a great experience and in the morning they were so good with like the aftercare like the cuddles like kissing me on the forehead and like hugging me from behind when I was like putting my shoes on took me down to like wait for my uber and then open the door like for me to get (gasps) into my uber I was just like this and then the chivalry of this situation is so attractive right and we've had like really good like conversations since there's a situation where they're, they're still living with their dad so and I'm living with my uncle at the moment so we can't actually see each other like properly basically so I think we're gonna arrange something for the future like in a hotel again and just like have just like it won't be a regular thing but it will be like a nice thing when it happens you know yeah oh my goodness so exciting so that was that was really really cute um and then I went on a date. <laughs> That's too many dates. I went on a date yesterday, um, which was a field date. And it was actually this person's first ever field date. And um, it, I was, it was just so much better than I was expecting. You know, when you, I was just, I think because I've had like a really great experience at the weekend, I, I just didn't really put that much thought into like going on this second date. And it was just... It was just, it, that was just, it was really cute as well. I just had like two really amazing experiences with two really amazing like human beings. And um, for this date, it, um, they're a vegan as well. So it was like a mission to find like the best vegan pizza in LA. And like, we met up like in the middle of like where we both live. And um, I was like, you're gonna take control here. Like it was like one of those things where you could choose all your toppings on the pizza and they like chose all the toppings. And I was like, this is like the perfect test. But you know, when you like hug someone and like immediately your energies connect. Maybe. It was like this weird kind of like, when we were standing next to each other doing the pizza stuff, I was like, I felt like a hum of like energy between mm. us. And I was like, hmm, this is kind of nice. Basically at the end of the day, we just ended up in their car for, ages like hours just like chatting and then it turned into like making out in the back seat and then then, like the car went all like steamy we're just having like just like the best time and it got like a little bit sexy i can i can vouch for the second time i've tasted vegan cum it being pretty delicious pretty pretty (laughs) all right (laughs) Ah, nice i'm impressed but yeah, so I've just, I'm really like, yeah, I'm really happy with the experiences that I'm having. And yeah. 
but anyway those are those are my updates i i probably could do a full fucking episode on like all the experiences that i've been having recently because i've just been seeing too many people but i'm really excited to see um the human being that i met yesterday again yes. so that'll be really great amazing and we have to stop saying too many people you know like you're just seeing the amount of people that you want to see and it's all good being an absolute slut bag ho hussy it's, it's yeah. cool man i'm be so a happy point for where you. I, I want i want to filter it down like i don't I, there's too much admin here so far yeah you'll get the dick you'll get the dick burnout where you're like i don't see anyone anymore fuck this because there Mm -hmm. is definitely like non-monogamy burnout so yes i i've definitely been there where you're just like i'm fucking so many people like and and you just you just need to calm the fuck down a little bit yeah you're giving too much for yourself away yeah yes um good update like this update (laughs) healthy amount of update um and yeah. yeah we hope that you enjoy the rest of this fun episode with brian talking about yeah, sex with cancer baby get him on that's hot <laughs> brian we are so excited to have you on fucks given today welcome yeah yes, thank hello. you so much for having me <laughs> looking beautiful with your green background and your yellow painted nails as well i was loving those up I'm bringing a lot. I'm bringing a lot yeah. to audio today. <laughs> to audio, yes, and to the YouTube space. Ooh, yes, hello. Which you didn't know about until you just got here, which is actually quite bad of us. I would yeah. have maybe changed my shirt, and I'm sure that someone told me, and I forgot. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I like this sweater. I just don't love it. It's just not my. Yeah. I, I want your listeners and viewers to get everything that they can out of me. Of course. So please tell our curious fuckers who you are and why you're here chatting to us today. Uh, My name is Brian Lobel. I am an artist. I'm a professor. And I believe I'm talking with you today because uh, for the last year and just last month, we really opened it. We've I've been working with my colleague June Lin Go and a number of amazing artists um, and sexual health professionals and cancer doctors. We've been working together to create Sex with Cancer, the world's fex- first sex toy shop and resource for people living with and beyond cancer, which is yes. both an artwork Amazing. and a business and an advocacy campaign all in one. It's it's incredible. And we've worked with you before, I think, what, maybe even years ago? Ages ago. It was last year or something. It was before <laughs> times. It feels like so it much was years. before times. Before, before the medieval times kicked in, yeah. Um, and we just absolutely fell in love with the concept and how open you guys were about sex and cancer because it's just not talked about enough. Like, everyone's almost too afraid to talk about it. Absolutely. I mean, the biggest problem that we have with cancer is that, I mean, a lot of people when they're ill become uh, kind of neutered in the eyes of their uh, families, their loved ones, their lovers. Um, But they also become shuffled about by medical science, their body night, not theirs anymore once it's poked and prodded so much and shuffled around. So we just see people with a lot of complex uh, problems, but we don't talk about it because we're used to cancer being talked about. You know, 50 years ago, you didn't talk about cancer. Now you talk about cancer and you talk about survival and inspiration and and learning about body positivity and learning lessons. And there's all of this energy around it. If you're in the space of survivorship and inspiration, you might not think it's still appropriate to talk about 
an orgasm or your pleasure when people are running to save your life and running for your cure and baking for the cure. And you go, but can I ask you about orgasms? And that th- they've stopped. <laughs> we, we, when we become kind of things of charity or pity, it also has a real huge knock-on effect on sex and sexuality and sexual confidence. Yeah. Well, I guess if no one's having the conversation, once it's happening to you, you kind of feel too scared to then approach other people about it. And like, you don't know if it's normal, if it's just happening to you, if you're like alone. And I could just imagine so many people feeling so alone in that space. So that's why what you do is so amazing. What was the, like, like, what was the inspiration behind starting Sex With Cancer? Yeah. I, um, thank you. Those are really kind words. We've been working hard during a pandemic to talk about, you know, sex and sexuality and it's felt very disconnected. So it's always nice when we get together and we talk. So I just, thanks for those very nice words. Um, the inspiration for the project. So I've been working in the cancer space, uh, since 2001 when I got cancer, which is 20 years ago now. So actually I've just celebrated my 40th birthday night and I was 20 when I had cancer. Um, so I've just lived more of my life after having a cancer diagnosis than before. That's a milestone. Yeah, I, it was like, a, I, I consider myself now a cancer local. You know, I think once you live in a town long enough, you can call yourself a local. I think I've lived as a cancer local. Um, but I've been working on cancer for, yeah, about, you know, 20 years on and off, trying to reflect on patient experience Um, thinking about how we can make research more accessible to people and people who care, try to advocate particularly for marginalized stories of cancer. But when, when I had cancer, I had come out as queer about a month earlier to my friends. Suddenly, uh, you know, a month later, I had cancer in my genitals. And I was, even then I wasn't the most religious person, but that feels... You know, that felt like something cosmic telling you, like, maybe you're making the wrong decision with your genitals. The punishment. Oh, my God, that's awful. The mind fuckery. The mind fuckery of it all. (laughs) Absolutely. But also at the time, what was also happening, if you'll remember, in 2001, Lance Armstrong had just won his third or fourth Tour de France. And we had similar testicular cancer diagnoses. And we were treated in the same hospital. And... At the time, he was writing books about being a survivor and having children and being super heterosexual. So everything that was coming out about testicular cancer was about masculinity and survivorship and aggression. And of course, in this way that, of course, we know that Lance Armstrong, all of that was built off of a lie. You know, he built the lie that cancer makes you bigger, stronger, faster, living a more fulfilled life. And actually, what cancer did was gave him... Um, kind of a free space to cheat. And a lot of people were damaged by his lies. But that super masculinity, that hyper masculinity, hyper heterosexuality was really impactful in my life. I was just going to say, I feel like the the theme around testicular cancer, when you do hear about it, is always super, super masculine. I've never thought of that before. It's either it's either one way or the other, right? It's either not masculine enough or super masculine. There's no I guess nice it's like middle point. Losing Absolutely. a ball and you're like, I have to then reclaim my manhood. Yeah. Kind of rawr, rawr. I mean, yeah. I, um, I think the big thing that happened was that doctors, you know, I remember, and it's a very long time ago now, and I've, I've done a lot of work beyond that 
in my life, but I, you know, I still do remember the doctors all talking to me about, don't worry, you'll still have erections. Don't worry, you'll still be fertile. Don't worry, you'll still have orgasms. And, and, and for me, you know, despite this being, um, you know, we're talking about, you know, sex positive work. When I was, the minute I was diagnosed, I did not care about erections. I did not care about fertility in the same way. I was thinking about, will my health insurance cover this? Because I was living in the States. Will I have to move home to be with my parents? I was living an independent life. You know, like, I was thinking about a million other things, but they were so nervous about my heterosexuality. And they were like, don't worry, we're going to have you back out playing sports in two months. And I was like, I don't even know. Have you opened your eyes? Like, I think I'm an active person and I'm cute and all, but like, I'm not, I wasn't like gagging to be back on the soccer field. That's just like not what I was doing. It's like, I've never played sports before. I'm not about to now. And of course, and, and we see like when, when men think about illness or disability, they go, I, if I couldn't have an orgasm, I would rather die. I, if I couldn't have an erection, I would rather die. It's so common that men talk about this. And of course, we know that people adjust. We know that people struggle with changes and things, but it's all still, the language we hear about it is still, oh, I don't know, it's some terrible home improvement even just like like you know oh one ball he was half a man like that's so damaging and so toxic and that's that's what i remember being hearing about about testicular cancer it's fucked up it's i mean it's ridiculous it's 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 when they asked me if i wanted a prosthetic because a prosthetic testicle is is kind of standard for a lot of people so actually it's funny because in the uk I believe, you know, the standard is that you're given it and you ha- and you would say, oh, no, I don't want it. But the presumption is that you would, whereas in the state it's not. And but you can ask either way, you know, they're they're testicles. They cost like five pounds to put in. I'm, I'm sure they cost a little more than that, but it's not like it's not like replacing a lung or replacing a kidney. You know, those are bigger operations. This is, you know, it's purely I have one. Shall I show you? Because we're on YouTube. Yes, yes, please. I want to see the prosthetic bowl. Yes, please. (laughs) I keep it out. Um, It was the thing that um, when I was on Come Dine with me a few years ago, I had them, um, when they went snooping around, this is what they found. It was really good TV. (laughs) Um, That was great TV. It looks like a little egg. It looks so good to squeeze and play with. Yeah, when my friends' um, kids come over, they think that's those stress balls, you know? (laughs) I just, I collect them. Any nurses uh, that I know, because they have an expiration date. I think it's just so they can keep selling them. You know, they they have to go in a body by certain date. So Mm -hmm. anyway, there you are, a little... I love it. It's so beautiful as well. It looks like some sort of gorgeous, like, crystal yoni egg, but just yeah. like for balls. Yeah, it actually kind of does look like a yoni egg. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these so things good. are all related. We all come from the same thing, you know? In it, yeah. Um, sure. That's great. Thank you for showing us that. It's amazing. No problem. You're very welcome. I mean, I just feel like that so much of the conversation about testicular cancer it is, is kind of ridiculous because I thought, I was like, I don't want... 
The last time I had two testicles, one of them was actively trying to kill me. I don't need, like, I, I'm happy with my body to change in order for that not to be a reality anymore. So, yeah, yeah. amazing. We, we saw a YouTube video of you on stage where you asked some of the audience to come up and give you uh, like a medical, I don't even know what the words you use, like basically to grab your junk and describe it with one word. And I thought it was absolutely incredible. Were they Please. actually touching your balls? Yeah, I mean, I have one. I mean, I don't know if you were listening. <laughs> one ball. I have one <laughs> ball. One. Um, Sorry yeah. about that. Uh, <laughs> um, Your ball. Yeah, so uh, that show that I did called An Appreciation, um, it's a meta, I call it a medical appreciation, which it just means to notice is something's size. You know, people will talk about appreciating a tumor. Um, it's actually a performance that's based off of a really amazing kind of iconic performance art piece that Annie Sprinkle did called the Public Cervix Announcement. I don't know if you know Annie Sprinkle. She was kind of a, a porn star turned performance artist. And she said that really violence against women is caused by people not knowing where they come from. So I'm going to have people, I'm going to invite them up and look at our cervix, my cervix. Um, it was this amazing wow. kind of iconic early 90s piece. And I wanted to kind of think about when you have a change in your body, you think that, that you will never adjust to that. Mm-hmm. Whether that's yeah. surgery, a scar, the removal of a, a limb or a breast or even a testicle, which is such a small change in the body, but the effect of it felt gi- absolutely gigantic. And so I wanted to kind of, uh, but I noticed that um, someone had asked me what my singular testicle looked like. And I re- remembered when that happened for the first time, I thought, oh my God, someone is using cancer to get me out of my pants. And I wanted to do something to honor and celebrate that change in the body about not feeling freakish in my own mm-hmm. body. And then to the understanding that like, actually, your body grows and changes over time. You know, it's it's like putting up a shelf in your house that you're like, oh, I will never get used to seeing that shelf there. And the next day it's normal. Yeah. Bodies take a little while longer than that, but not tons longer. No one really talks about sex when it comes to cancer. What, because I have absolutely no idea, like what is the change that happens when you have cancer and the experiences that you then go on to have with sex? There are as many different problems that people have with sex as there are cancer diagnoses, which is are a lot of different kinds and a lot of specific things that add to different problems. But I'll I'll try to break it down. I, I really probably should have brought my list. Um, I'm sorry I didn't. But um, when people talk about uh, sex with cancer problems, uh, they think this is really understudied. But somewhere just under 50% of people that have cancer have a, a problem with their with sex lives. Now, those could be temporary, they could be long-term, they could be profound, they could be minor, but it's really understudied. Um, but we know that the problems are various and varied. Um, so we can talk about things like body image issues. So the removal of a breast, a scar being added, a scar on the face, a scar on the body. Um, now that can be just people having self-consciousness issues and not having the confidence to date or to look for sex in the same way. But it can also, you know, you can also have surgeries 
in places that are delicate or that affects sex and mobility. So that could be the breasts, testicles, um, you know, all, every part of our body is erogenous. So every part of our body, if there's a scar in it or a surgery that happens on it, can be affected or people have serious back problems. We also know that people um, have trouble uh, thinking about or communicating with their partners about a stoma bag. So people think that a stoma bag yeah. can be a real, you know, boner killer or whatever all of the equivalents are. Um, and of course, a lot of people live with stomas. Of course, there things like tamoxifen causes, um, which are a lot of women who are on bre with breast cancer following up for breast cancer, so they might be on tamoxifen for the rest of their life or until uh, or until menopause, which I think is accurate. I think that that might also be inaccurate, what I just said. <laughs> I think that some women take tamoxifen for the rest of their life, but some stop. But either way, what happens with tamoxifen is that women experience a lot of vaginal dryness. Similarly, with a lot of chemotherapies that men are experiencing, and there, and there are a lot of other kind of cancer-related drugs that might cause vaginal dryness. Um, with a lot of male uh, cancers and treatments, there are... Um, you know, people experience erectile dysfunction. Both people all experience some kind of infection risk. So anal sex, uh, which is known to cause more infections, um, can be more severe if someone doesn't have neutrophil levels. But of course, between the three of us, I couldn't tell you what a neutrophil is. I couldn't tell you when I know that they're low, I know that they're high. So you have to talk to your doctor about it. You have to ask them about what these different things are happening. A few other things that people report are um, a lot of tiredness, a lot of loss of libido or sensation, some of those things are temporary. Some of them are long-term. Some of them might be psychological. Some of them might be chemical. Some of them might be spiritual. Some of them might be about economics. You know, like cancer causes these huge shifts in people's lives. So what we've tried to do with sex with cancer, for example, is we collected over 200 questions from people living with and beyond cancer and their partners and sexual partners and, you know, relationship partners and tried to pick out the 25 most kind of common or most kind of overarching questions, and then try to match those with professional answers and product recommendations, understanding all these problems, some of the problems might have a product that can help them, you know, experience something better, a vaginal moisturizer, a va vaginal lubricant, a, a vaginal moisturizer, just a regular lube can help with vaginal dryness. But sometimes throwing five pounds at that problem can cause a change in the problem. That's good. And of course, then there's also advice for people who have problems that can't be solved with a, with a dildo, a vibrator, a dilator, et cetera. <laughs> it's, wouldn't it be nice if all problems were solved with a dildo? <laughs> Listen, really I think we have to celebrate the problems we can solve with ease. It's it's so nice though, like having a space and a platform to talk about all these things. Because I can just imagine like having like, 
not having the answers to this question. Like, do people feel comfortable to ask their doctors about things related to sex? I like, I feel like not really. And then I guess even like spaces like what we have, like where we do talk about sex really openly because we haven't experienced that. We're not able to give people the answers when it comes to these things. So they might come to channels like ours looking for answers, looking Absolutely. to feel like, okay, how can I start experiencing sexual desire again? or this or that but they can't really find the answers in different spaces because that you need someone that's gone through that experience for me it's really about getting people the confidence to ask their doctor my the nurse beth that we work with who's really amazing and a real champion for young adult sexual health especially related to cancer she always says actually if you ask a doctor and they don't know the answer to something they have a legal obligation to find the answer for you. A nurse also. Oh. So it's really about the confidence to start asking that question. It doesn't help that, you know, because of the chronic underfunding of the NHS, even in cancer spaces, doctors are under pressure. Times are short in these things. And, you know, like, if you are told to praise your doctor, which of course we do, we don't want to bother them with something that feels icky to us. Especially if you're a single person, if you have a divergent sex, uh, you know, sex interest, you know, if you if you want to talk about pleasure, very few places are about they're, they're really about surviving and getting out the door. And I think that that's fine. And there's a lot of cool people doing cool work in cancer. Absolutely. And there are great sexual health advocates around. But it's still the exception that proves the rule which shows that people are still waiting for the one great nurse who is going to answer all the questions or the one doctor that they feel comfortable with. One of the things that we did with Sex with Cancer is we held a national competition for Sex with Cancer conversation champions, uh, one of whom is runs a sexual health clinic in Edinburgh and one of whom is an information specialist at a hospital in London. On our site, you can check them out. But we really wanted to show and prove that there are great people doing this work, that it is sometimes a confidence issue from the patients themselves, trying to say like, look, this is important to me. I'm going to be dealing with this my whole life. I really need to feel like I enter my relationships with confidence and with, with like a hotness. Like you have yeah. to feel hot to like also feel horny and feel sad, you know, like all of those things are interrelated. So we like yeah. keep to like information is power and information is sexy. You know, those are the kind of key things for us. It's weird how sex doesn't feel like a medical issue to talk to a professional about. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, this is just my thing. Like they, they're not going to like, you know, that's not really their bag. It's like, mm. well, yeah, it's a bodily function so it is especially when you're dealing with issue. stuff like cancer where it's like you know potentially death could be on the line and then you're like i don't want to ask something trivial like sex when something bigger could be you know like, i don't want to waste your time when i should be asking even bigger more important questions but if if sex is the thing that's so important to you then that that is life-changing right you need to have those answers that just just that little day-to-day -day answer could change everything absolutely and i think we've been trying to be really careful with how we talk about sex with cancer, because what we're really trying to do is define sex really broadly and really trying to think about like, look, when you are just going through a ton of 
medical procedures and drugs going in and out of your body, you're not, you might not be thinking about the craziest sex you could ever have in your life. You know, and that's just because you're tired. But on the other hand, there are plenty of people that have connected with us that say like, look, ever since cancer and I, my body is healing from cancer, I really want to try new things. I really want to be in an open relationship. I really want to get pegged. I really want to peg my partner. Like there is, it kind of reaches in all the different directions of being both exhausting and exhilarating. So, and people with cancer are, there's, there, it's such a broad spectrum of what people are dealing with emotionally, spiritually, physically. Can I ask you a personal question about sure. how you experienced sex after your diagnosis? I mean, I wrote a whole, I wrote a whole play about it, so I'm not ashamed <laughs> to talk about it. Um, Amazing. Um, so when I had cancer, I was had something called an RPLND, a retroperitoneal lymph node dissection, which is a very major, it, it looks like a long ways cesarean section. So in some ways it looks like I've got like two very well-defined abs. Um, and the threat of that, one of the things that can happen in it is inside of that where it's cut, because I had, uh, my cancer had spread to my abdomen. Because of that, where they're cutting can affect a man's ability to ejaculate, a person's ability to ejaculate, excuse me. And I was like a virgin. I was a heterosexual virgin. And I was like, I need to have heterosexual sex before this happens. And this is crazy. This is crazy. Now, I was 20. This was 20 years ago. The world is very changed. But I, I really appreciate how misogynistic a journey that this was, which was that like I needed a woman to help me fulfill this thing. But what is not crazy about that is my friends who've passed away at a young age, because also if you have cancer when you're young, you meet a lot of other young people with cancer, people would be obsessed with whether or not my friends had had sex with their girlfriends, had done the X or Y, because it was about hitting milestones for young people's yeah. life. Yeah, and I mean, it is anyway, regardless of like your health condition. Absolutely. But they want to know like, oh, did they get to, did they, were they able to graduate high school? Did they get to see their child go off to college? All these different things. So I, I wasn't the most, I had the very, I had a very beautiful kind of lover at the time um, when I had cancer and we had just met before I had cancer and then um, I didn't see him for, you know, months and months. And I do remember, you know, like having probably the worst sex of, of my life. I, I probably, <laughs> it was probably Aww. terrible. I probably looked, you know, what happens with, you know, with steroids that people take during cancer, they either get super bloated or super thin very quickly. So whatever it was, I'm sure I didn't look good in either of those states. Um, and I remember being touched and actually... I remember it not being comfortable. Like it wasn't, my body wasn't like in a mood to have it. But I, rem I remember so closely like being held close by this very beautiful man uh, named Rolando. And, and, and he, I, he passed away of a heart problem just uh, two years ago. And I, I think about it very fondly. And that moment of just being held made me feel like sexy, 
It made me feel very protected. I mean, a lot of the people that we talk about with sex with cancer are just like, I don't want to be fucked, but I love the feeling of my partner on top of me or next to me. And those things... So, you know, we had some Daily Mail readers kind of respond to an article that was like, this is not what should be on anyone's agenda. But actually, like, sex and intimacy and closeness are so critical to how we think about things, let alone the awesome things that are happening in adventurous sex and new kinds of innovative things. That's awesome also. But like at its most basic, we're really trying to think about relationships. And I know that those were so important to me. And I also know that throughout my life, I always found myself dating and attracted to people who had been through an illness, whose body had changed profoundly in their life. I found myself really connected with young trans people because they had thought about their body in a way that like was very profound for young people, um, in a way that like I had really struggled and dealt with my body in different ways. So it's it's affected all of those things and all the relationships around it. I think it's, it's really, I, I love how as well, when we asked you about your first sexual experience, how it was it was such like an intimate moment with someone that wasn't necessarily about like the sex itself, but how that intimate moment can be just as like that, like someone holding you can be just as intimate as sex. Absolutely. And how important it is. And I think what everyone, so a lot of the patient advocates that we work with, a lot of the the nurses say it and the doctors say it, but when the patients say it, it's really impactful. And they just say like, look, you have to start slowly. You yeah. have to start slowly. Like you might want to hold hands for a little while. You might want to like lie in bed next to each other and listen to some erotica. You know, there's like so many good, like horny <laughs> podcasts out there now. There's like so many new ways that people can be excited, but just starting to, you know, one of the things that we sell on via our, you know, our website is like just a little bullet. You know, it's like just like the cheapest thing you can buy. It's everyone's first sex toy, right? Yeah, like, yeah, it was my first. <laughs> right, it's your first. Because <laughs> it, it's like both the cheapest and what feels like like what I most recognize as a sex toy, it like sits next to your skin and it just excites the body in a way which can be very innocent, can be part of something very hardcore, but can be something of everything in between. Yeah, so. that's a really good, that's a really good tip. Yeah, beautiful. I hate to go from like such a beautiful message onto asking you about your fuck off story. <laughs> oh my God. What a segue. What a segue. Uh, <laughs> you said you had you tea for us. You don't have to juicy. go into it if you don't want to. No, no, I will tell this one story because I, I feel like it makes me sound like a little bit trashy, but also I don't think that this person would ever hear it. And I'm glad <laughs> because um, I, the, my, the fuck off story, when, as soon as you said fuck off story, um, I instantly thought of the only time that I ever said fuck off to someone in a way which was meant to be aggressive, which was meant to see, get the uh, fuck out uh, of my space. And it was the only time. So I had a little, um, you know what? We actually did even go for a walk around the park that I live next to. It was a, a, a gentleman caller that I met via an application, um, <laughs> an online phone application. We took a little walk around the park. He was like, 
Ukrainian, didn't smile a lot, but like there was something I found quite charming about him. Anyway, it usually comes up when I go out, out with someone. It usually, if I do any chatting with someone, they're gonna see like either that I work a lot on cancer or that I've got scars, you know, blah, blah, that I had cancer and it usually comes up. So actually, post-coitally, as we're sharing our, you know, our uh, matrimony bed, after our, our little um, dalliance, um, he said, he was like, where are your scars from? I said, oh, I used to have cancer. And he said, where um, did that come from? And I was like, I don't know. They say that like cancer doesn't really have any, gen you know, this cancer didn't have a genetic component to it. It wasn't passed from my family. He was like, oh, no, no. Yeah. Like what would have happened in your like previous life or with your ancestors that you would have gotten cancer? Interesting. And I said, oh, and that was the moment that I really felt naked with someone. Like I felt like yeah. I don't, I don't. Like being tattooed by someone with bad politics. I, like I just wanted to like see what is it like. I was like, ah, I never. So I was just like, look, man. You know, I like really don't want to talk about this right now. I have a friend who's really sick with cancer. She had cancer when she was embryonic. She's been dealing with all sorts of cancers her whole life. And he was like, oh yeah. Well, if that person had cancer in the embryo, they must have. As an embryo, they must have. You know, like serious metaphysical kind of shit. And I said. Fuck Whoa. off! Wow, out of my That's house. Insane. I didn't look. I didn't look to see if he was gone. I didn't want to look at him. I didn't want to be near him. And I, I felt so strongly because I just thought it was the only. It was one of the few times in my life that I've really felt like, oh my god, I can't believe I just let that person into my body. And like, it wasn't. It wasn't yeah. violating, but it was. It felt. I needed a shower, like an emotional, yeah. psychic shower. I feel like that's a terrible <laughs> story. I have to say the only other time that I really think that I've said fuck off was when a man, the man asked me what my one testicle looked like as a precursor to sex. In which case he said, fuck um, off. And then we had sex. Absolutely. That was an amazing <laughs> time. That was a great fuck off story. Um, that is such a random thing to get into someone's pants. You're like, yeah, oh, I'd love to check that out. Why? Why we don't do want to be fetishized. Okay? You know, we don't want to be fetishized <laughs> yeah. for what's weird about us. But also, like, what's wrong with someone finding my scars hot? They are hot. Yeah. And if I want you hot. on them, I want you to think that they're hot too. There is this great yeah. kind of power play about what is fetish and what is appreciation of different bodies. And we all have to navigate that ourselves, I guess. Yeah. I had like I had a weird thing when I was younger where I, I loved getting scars. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is like a story. This means something. Like, there's something really powerful about a scar. Mm, I don't know. What absolutely. Well, again, fetishize. Like in the media, you always have like the villain with the cool scar and all of this. Yeah, um, yeah but I mean, you no, also exactly like Audre Lorde, um, amazing uh, black feminist uh, who died in the in the nineties, I believe. I don't want to get that wrong. She always talked about her scars as her kind of battle wounds. And I know that sometimes the war and military metaphors can be a little bit ridiculous uh, related to cancer and fighting and battling, et cetera. But also there is something about these are the scars that I that I went through, that I, that they tell the story of me and my resilience um, 
And, it, you know, those scars acknowledge a lot of things. They acknowledge a lot of loss, a lot of pain, but also a lot of healing and a lot of beauty. You know, like I like to think about scars in that way, that they really are like what is happening there is that something is being healed. And I always think that that's a beautiful yeah. way to think of it. So just to round up this episode as well, it has been amazing, Brian. I did want to ask if you had any advice for people that are out there listening who are going through cancer, cancer treatments, and how, if you had any advice when it comes to getting answers around sex or just sex in general. Yeah, I would say number one, come to our website, www.sexwithcancer.com, where there's a lot of great yeah. information. Um that's that's number one, of course. Um, but really, I would say two things. Try to practice talking about it uh, with a healthcare professional. It will not be an easy conversation, and you may, uh, if if you're uncomfortable talking about sex outside of the world, outside the world, you're not going to be comfortable talking about sex with your doctor or nurse. Um, or a social worker, you know, anyone that you're kind of dealing with or that your therapist or, you know, whoever you're dealing with to help support you through the cancer. But the reason why I say kind of practice is because, like, it might not come out right the first time. And it might be less than or you might say not all the information that you want, but it's really about starting a conversation. These are long journeys that people have with their bodies with something like cancer, you know, there's, and there's so many other illnesses that fall under this category. These are long roads. So people have to be like kind of in it for the long haul. It's not a, you know, you don't need to get off tomorrow. Usually very few people's lives depend on whether they have an orgasm tomorrow. Right. So, and, and if you are, bless you, because that sounds like an amazingly high stakes <laughs> life. But, but I think for me, it's more about how can you put things in place now with your partner, with your Tinder profile or your grinder profile or with your nurse or your doctor? How can you start leading the breadcrumbs to then you eventually leading those conversations with confidence and with candor. I think that that is, for me, the biggest point is that it is a journey. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a marathon as opposed to a mm -hmm. sprint. The first product that you try is not going to get you off. It is about like learning, listening, trying, and really thinking about reawakening and supporting your life and understanding that sex is an integral part to your healing um, and to the quality of life that you want to have beyond. So you must be selfish with doctors and nurses. You must ask for answers. And where they can have it, hopefully our website, a lot of other people. There's a lot of great podcasts out there, good Instagram people. You know, there are people, but you have to find the people that are right for you. And that's, if you're a young person with breast cancer, the things that you might seek out about cancer are going to be different than if you're an older man with prostate cancer, like it's, it's just going to be different. So kind of enjoy the journey if that sounds okay and allow that journey to be playful as opposed to frustrating because sex might not look like what you thought it was going to before, but that intimacy and that closeness will be fulfilling if you build into it. Amazing. Amazing. 
Mm-hmm. That Thank wasn't so one much. piece of advice. That was, that was like a fun. really nice, big, juicy. That was a lot. That was a beautiful amount of advice. We could yeah. list, literally listen to you all day. You've been fantastic. But I unfortunately, really we do have to wrap wrap up this episode. Um, where can our curious fuckers find you and everything that you're about? The Sex with Cancer website is sexwithcancer.com. I am most places at globalwarming.com or globalization. <laughs> How do you spell that? <laughs> Global warming, B-L-O-B-E-L, B-L-O-B-E-L, warming, like global warming, but global warming. Uh, it's always been my, I mean, it was a funny email address to get 16 years ago, but now it feels like, oh, less funny than I, I, I meant it. Oh yeah, no, I'm just all my socials, global warming, globalization, uh, and sexwithcancer.com. Yes, definitely. You'll find me if people want. Amazing. Thank you so much, lovely. You've been perfect. Learned so much. And I saw you waving around your testicular egg in the in the email. I want one to see. I'll send one to you, Florence, another time. We can find you one. They're all over the internet. It's very simple. Amazing. Well, yes, sending you lots and lots of love. And to you. Bye. Wow, what an amazing episode with Brian. That was so insightful. Oh, he was amazing. Honestly, an actual inspiration. Like, I feel like a lot... I mean, cancer is such a scary word, but talking to people like Brian makes it not scary anymore. It yeah. makes it, like, able to talk about and able to have fun with it as well. Yeah. Which yeah. is just so nice to hear. I really hope that everyone can, like, now go out and check out Sex With Cancer because it's an incredible platform and an incredible resource. For people and of course if this has been a helpful episode to you or to someone that you might know that might enjoy this episode then please share it spread it far and wide word of mouth is the best thing that you can do send it yeah. on all the platforms and give it a rating and a review because yeah. <laughs> we want to get up there in the charts and that's how we do that so if you support us and you love us then that's what you need to do. And also follow us on our social media, which is at ComeCurious, at Florence Park, and at ReadAmberX. And of course, if you have a fuck-off story that you think could beat all the fuck-off stories, we want to hear from you. It needs to be emailed in to us. Hopefully the shorter the better, but it's the email is, because Florence can do the spelling thing better. (laughs) I always fuck it up when you, like, premise it with me doing it really well, so... It is fksgiven at comecurious.co.uk. Hey! Did it, did yeah. it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Nice. Managed nice it. <laughs> and um, we will see you all next Thursday. See you next Thursday, curious fuckers. Bye. Bye. Crowd Network. A place where you belong. <laughs>